Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's May 1st, and this is Irish Illustrated Insider. I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley. We're from Irish Illustrated, and Pete Sampson is from The Athletic, and a whole bunch of news last week, including right after we finished a Thursday podcast with Tyler Buckner uh, ultimately deciding on Alabama as being his landing spot, and then Logan Diggs deciding that, finally deciding that Notre Dame was not the place where he wanted to be. And we had the NFL draft with Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey, and Jared Patterson going in. We have some recruiting to talk about as well, including the verbal commitments of Isaiah Canyon and Bryce Young. Let's start with Buckner. Good news. Let's go with the good news, Tim. Isaiah Foskey went higher than we thought. That is the (laughs) highlight of the Notre Dame weekend. Good old Isaiah. We all like him. And I think we should just go ahead and not talk about anything else from the weekend. But Isaiah Foskey going high is great. And the timing of our podcast with Tyler Buckner. There have been worst time podcasts, right? But maybe not recently. Yeah, I mean, that was, <laughs> that's why, like I'm always saying, Jack, hurry, put it up. Hurry, yeah. put it. <laughs> hurry hey, we post- did end our podcast off the air with, well, Logan Diggs is next, but we're not doing a Logan Diggs podcast. So that was good. So that we got that part right. Um, I think Buckner is a loss. But the funny thing about it is it's between a complete non-entity if Sam Hartman stays healthy the whole time. And holy cow, that's a two-game difference between Buckner and the other backup quarterback. That's kind of how I look at the Buckner loss, um, which is better than just being a straight-up loss. And I think the revisionist history on our board about Diggs, so what if he was 1B? He was not 1B or 2B. He was going to be Audric Estime's well, that's just that's a very, very valuable having, co-starter. Yeah, that's a reaction to having your feelings hurt. It, it, Logan Diggs is important. Tyler Buckner is important to Notre Dame. That, that, when they walk out the door, they, that, that doesn't diminish. But Diggs would play every game and be counted on every game. It's possible Buckner could play zero or 12. True. Yeah. Uh, no, except, true. except for the Cal game last year. But yeah, that uh, look, D- Diggs hurts. Um, Buckner is unfortunate. And the other ones are sort of your typical transfer of a guy that has fallen down the depth chart or never had risen up the depth chart. But Diggs is a blow. But I I don't think people have a real understanding of how close he was to leaving last year. Um, he and was at the end of his freshman year, right? At yeah, the end he was of his freshman a, year. Yeah, and flipping on National Signing Day, like he was a guy that essentially had to be re-recruited at the end of every semester. Uh, that process comes to an end at some point. Um, I don't think that him leaving makes any sense for him as it relates to getting to the NFL. I think from a career standpoint, it is foolish, but uh, if he wants to be somewhere else uh, closer to home, then I get it. There, there are other factors in play other than what's my best track to the NFL. um, And that would, the answer to that would have been Notre Dame. I don't think it would be, and you guys can disagree with me. I don't think it would be an exaggeration to, well, you just said it, Pete, <laughs> that I, that the number of times that 
that we were alerted that Logan Diggs may not be happy and wants to leave. I, I, I mean, I can a minimum of four times along the right. way. Oh, yeah, for sure. Minimum. I mean, there was a lot related to some of those minimums too. Like all of September last year, um, like in, until probably until the end of the North Carolina game is when we didn't hear it again last season, right? In that range. Um, at the end of the year, at the beginning of this year, <laughs> at the end, but here's the deal. When I heard it during the spring or this last time we got that, I was like, wow, good Lord, whatever. Even though I didn't mean that, I was just like, how many times are we going to get this text right. thing? The weirdest well, thing about Diggs is he, I just assumed that finally, like when I, I remember Tim, I was sitting next to you during the blue goal game and I circled 10 names and I put X's or dashes by some yeah. other names of transfer candidates. Yeah. And Diggs is just that little thing. And we kind of laughed. We're like, well, what? It's a, haven't they weathered that storm yet? And then of course he transfers. <laughs> I just thought Diggs would go pro after this year, whether desert, like right. all running backs should, all running backs should go pro after their junior year. If they're any good estimate going to go pro for sure. Yeah. What I would, why would hey, Diggs not just go pro and healthy? Didn't he sign in December and he didn't want them to announce it until the second signing day in February? If I mean, not, he was, probably should have. Yeah. There's a, right, Pete? I mean, he was actually signed, but he didn't want them to. to yeah, because well, I think that he was weighing whether he wanted to be asked for his asked for a release. Um, uh, you know, he, yeah. you know, it's like, do I actually want to go to LSU instead? So as somebody put it to me last week, uh, Logan Diggs has you know some some maturing to do well he, he just will be doing that somewhere else i i, I should have mentioned uh, uh, lorenzo styles has has uh uh committed to uh ohio state where his brother is i, I want to i mean how i know you guys i don't know how often i say it on the air but i know you guys hear me say it all the time um the lack of self-awareness some of these decisions is just I, Tyler Buckner is walking into a situation with Nick Saban. Now, and, and Pete, you had said it that that Tyler Buckner needs to go somewhere where he can where he knows he's going to play. He's, you think Nick Saban's just going to hand him the job because Tommy Reese said, you know, coach, I really think we should bring Tyler Buckner in. I mean, he's still going to have to win the job at Alabama, and I and I can't think of a a greater misfit combination than Nick Saban's personality and Tyler Buckner's personality. I think it's going to be very difficult for him to find a comfort zone in Alabama's offense, regardless of his relationship with the offensive coordinator. Yeah, I think it him going there says more about the Alabama quarterback room than it does about Tyler Buckner. Um, cause they, they must really, really not like what they have on hand. I, I would agree. Really not like, um, and I, I think O'Malley and I maybe texted about this last week. Like who took the bigger risk last week, Tyler Buckner or Tommy Reese? Cause I would argue that Tommy Reese took a massive risk, yeah. uh, with taking Tyler Buckner bigger than Tyler Buckner going to Alabama. Cause Tyler Buckner can leave Alabama and head somewhere else. Uh, Tommy Reese can leave Alabama too, but might not be the way that he wants. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, and there's no downside for, uh, I did put this on the board at one point with styles. He said, people are where when he started to transfer, someone's like, well, he's going to Ohio state. And then logical people said he can't start for Ohio state. And then if you get a little more logical and you understand the sport these days is what does Ohio state care if he can start for Ohio state or not, come on in, try to win the job. And if he doesn't win the job, he's better than player number 85 on their roster. So they don't have to cut him. 
if he annoys them, they'll cut him. This is the easiest thing in the world. Why would Nick Saban care if Tyler Buckner ends up quarterback number three, as long as he has a chance to be quarterback number one, and maybe it helps the team. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, you know, I mean, um, styles, did, did styles in, improve his chance to play at Ohio state compared to Notre Dame? I don't think in, so. In he... either case, in either case, there's a transit. First of all, there's a transition to the, the position and the side yeah. of the football that has to take place before you can legitimately compete for a starting job. Now, I think he's very natural at that. Always thought he was very natural at that. He got one snap one day in practice this spring and was natural at it. So maybe that, maybe that process will be accelerated a little bit, but uh, you know, and his brother's at Ohio state and I, and yeah, he, he improved his chances off the field, right? He feels better about himself. Yeah. And that's, and that's fine too. I, you know, and I, Look, if Tyler Buckner wants to be at Alabama, who the hell am I to say? I just don't I, – I, I think that that is a real misfit relationship. Uh, and, and us knowing Tyler Buckner a little bit, not anywhere near, you know, teammates and coaches, but knowing him a little bit, I just can't see how that is a relationship that he's going to be comfortable with. But anyway, those guys have moved on. Uh, I want to talk about the draft a little bit. We talked about Michael Mayer. I felt like Dalton Kincaid would be a tight end picked ahead of him. I know Laporta, the kid from Iowa, was uh, always a possibility that could be picked ahead of him. And that was just one or two spots, was it not? One one spot. One spot. So, you know, I mean, I think we have a tendency that it's like, oh, he fell to the second round. Well, you know, it's just a number. I mean, what if there were 28 teams? What if there were 34 teams? It's just a number. He was the 34th or 35th overall pick, and that's pretty good. I realize he he loses out on the, some of the guaranteed money that comes with being a first-round draft choice, which is fairly significant, is it not? And so that's a yes. that's a bad yeah that's a bad break for him. But he found a good spot. They cleared the table for him at, at tight end prior to the draft. And so that was the guy they wanted and they got Foskey. <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't get more heat for what I wrote in my Thursday thoughts last week, because I said he was going to fall to the third round or he was trending to falling in the third round. But I always, I always clarify that by saying all it takes is one team to like him. Yeah. Now coming out of the, coming out of the combine, I know that there was a consensus opinion there that this, you know, they weren't, they didn't like his body of work against quality competition. Uh, and so, you know, we were definitely expecting third round, but the saints who reached really reached for Ian book a couple of years ago in the fourth round. Uh, I, I don't, I don't want to say they definitely reached for book. I'm not saying that the saints necessarily reach for Foskey because I think that he's got a higher upside, but Isaiah Foskey, I mean, when you add it all up and you can say this about a lot of guys, he was pretty fortunate because I don't think there were a whole lot of teams that had designs on picking him in the second round. Well, I went back and looked at uh, Dane Brugler, who's our draft analyst at the athletic. He puts out something called the beast, which is like an incredible comprehensive look at 400 plus scouting reports and a thousand players. And it's, it's an incredible volume of work. Was Tariq bracing on that, on that. He was not, he did. He didn't make it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, actually, I take it he was 92nd among corners. Um, Patterson was the eighth-ranked center and in the Beast, and he was the eighth center drafted. Foskey was the 11th-ranked 
edge rusher. He was the ninth edge rusher drafted. Mayer was the top tight end. He was the third tight end taken. So it was fairly on point. Everybody else, like he didn't, I think he had Brandon Joseph as like maybe a seventh round pick, um, but that was it. And pretty much everything else played out the way that Dane's rankings at least would suggest that it did, you know, and Laporta and Mayer was the difference of one selection. So yeah. it's, I don't, it's like five, Foskey, I was like, oh, or kind of an early second round. That surprised me a little bit. But then I think that it's just like if you needed an edge rusher, you had to get one. Um, and eight had already been taken by pick 40-ish. So it kind of makes sense when you look at it from that point of view. I think you're also taking an edge rusher with upside and 0% locker room problem. Yeah. How often do you get tremendous upside and 0% locker room problem in the same package? That's pretty. That's a pretty nice. Not thing in the second round. Not the, the second, second round, round is all about people with uh, locker room problems that yeah, have upside. So that, that's because that's, that's why they weren't nice, in the first round. That's why. <laughs> yeah, true. And you know the Patterson thing. I mean, that's that's that's. I don't want to say totally related to his medicals, because I realize the arm length isn't ideal, uh, but I also know that that I watched Jarrett Patterson play this past season, and he was pretty damn good. So um, I know some people want to downplay that. I don't think that that's true. I think when him and Joe Alt teamed up, they were Nordame went to Nordame ran the football to the left side of the line of scrimmage a majority of the time for a reason, and he was pretty good. But the medicals are the medicals, and that is hard to overlook. And the mere fact that he was drafted, I I, I know late in the process there was there was concern in the Patterson camp that he wasn't going to be drafted, and then he was. So good for him. Uh, sixth round, that's a that's a good situation. He'll have an opportunity to to uh to land a spot on the roster and you know, two-time Nordin captain. Talk about a guy that's not a locker room problem, Tim. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Jared that's Jared he's, not, he's not a locker room problem, he's not a second string problem, he's not a first string problem. Wherever Patterson ends up, he will help your team. Yeah. Uh, but when you say the medicals, it doesn't matter how much part of it they are, the medicals are huge in yeah. the NFL when you're drafting commodities later, he can, if he plays three years and he doesn't get hurt again and everybody has those medical issues by then he'll be fine. Yeah. It's, but the medical issues coming in, stop people from getting drafted quite often. And I'm but, glad it did not for Patterson. Last thing in this segment, uh, we, we mentioned Isaiah Canyon, who I really, really like. Um, Pete, who'd you say has, has him in the top 100? I think that's, uh, can I say on three on this podcast? Yeah, um, course, they, yeah, they have them at the bottom of the top yeah. hundred. So okay. yeah, I, think that, that, I personally think that's a little high, but I know his composite ranking is 195. And I think that's too low. I think the I think the upside with Isaiah Canyon is very high. And I find that Bryce Young, I mean, trying to trying to speculate about Bryce Young's ceiling, I think is extremely difficult because we haven't we don't we haven't seen the fully developed player yet. I love yeah. You know, I mean, he's he keep, he keeps growing. He's long. He's definitely a strong side defensive end. I don't know. You know, if he ends up being so long, he's got to be inside, which is kind of counterintuitive. I don't. I don't know. I don't know. I just. It's difficult for me to project his ceiling, but I think it's very, very high because I think he has a very natural feel for the game. He's learned from the best in his dad, By. And I think that he has a chance to be an outstanding college player. And with that kind of length and those kind of genes and that kind of makeup, I think long-term he certainly has 
as a pro potential as well. What do you guys think about those two recent Notre Dame verbal commitments? I like Canyon as well. Um, I do like the certain body type that they're starting to go after here. That's very valuable when you're developing at the position. I, um, and I think John C. Stuckey's plan of the pro style approach, um, NFL approach, I don't mean pro style offense, NFL yep. approach of I need my receivers to be interchangeable. So there's not so much you have to be in this package, but you have to be out in that package. In other words, I love the fact that their future slot receiver, Jaden Greathouse, doesn't have to play in the slot and that their current slot receiver, Jaden Thomas, doesn't have to play in the slot. And I think they'll continue to do that throughout. Yeah, I, I, mean, I like Bryce Young quite a bit, having just sort of seen him in I haven't gone to Charlotte to see him, but like just sort of seeing him at Notre Dame, we know how big his dad is. Like he's very well built. Um, you know, I think Notre Dame has signed probably too many defensive ends that have are listed at six three that are closer to six two. Um, and Young is what listed at six four and maybe is closer to six five. Uh his dad well, he's taller than his dad. Um yeah. And, and uh, although Bryant, you know, wasn't nearly that tall, but I mean, I think they fully expect him to be, I think he's six, five now. And I think they expect him to be six, six. So that's, you know, when I first saw film that he was, he was portrayed as a, as a Viper, a rush end. And I'm like, no, no. I mean, he's, it's not that he's not quick twitch. It's just that he's, he's becoming so long. It's, yeah. it's a little bit hard for him to unfold. Mm -hmm. a little bit. But what I like, what I liked about his film, was that I think fundamentally just his approach to the game. He knows how to play the game and he's learned that he's a smart kid. He's learned it from his dad. And I, I think he's got a, a, a ton of upside now. And then tonight, as we speak, uh, Kennedy Urlacher, who will be uh, making a decision among a handful of schools, of course, Norton being one of them. And then tomorrow we'll hear from Micah Gilbert. Uh, Pete, you spent some time, with Urlacher, uh, yes. With the with the dad as well. I uh, just talked to the dad on the phone, but I spent okay. um, some time around the high school. Um, you know, sat down, talked to Kennedy in person. Um, you know, kind of kind of unassuming. I mean, not not somebody that you look at and think like this guy thinks that he's big time. Um, you know, it's not, and I don't think he's a anything close to like a plug and play college prospect. Um, he's got a lot of development. Um, but very physical, uh, loves football. Um, I think that's, you know, and it doesn't, he just doesn't really come across as like, oh, you're Brian Urlacher's kid. Um, and, you know, I think there's, there's value to that. Um, you know, he transferred to Chandler before his sophomore year, which meant he had to sit out the first five games due to transfer rules there. Uh, and it, I asked him, it's like, who the heck transfers to a school to not play? Um, not just the transfer rules, but they had a bunch of seniors on the team. Yeah, I know. I see you laughing, O'Malley. Um, <laughs> but he he really was like a special teams and a backup player as a sophomore. And then going into his junior year, he he was like, am I, am I good enough? I don't know. Um, and then he had a huge hit in their first game. Um, I think it's against San Diego Cathedral Catholic, where he just like rocked some dude. And then he was like, all right, I'm good enough to play. And at that, cause I think at that point he's like, our school's interested in me just because of my last name or because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm good. Um, and at that, that was the moment where the light went off last August that he was like, okay, I am good. Um, and I think that's, that's the kid Notre Dame wants to see progress moving forward. 
He's, he's, it's been it's interesting you mentioned the non, the non plug and play. Um, he may get a chance to be plug and play. Yeah, I, I do think he's somebody <laughs> that we will message boards and podcasts will have many many conversations. Like, is he a safety or is he a rover? Um, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. He, first of all, he is. He's not physical. He's outrageously physical. I yeah. have a question for you, Tim. Do you see Thomas Harper? nickel situation at all I, with I, him in this in this defense I, well my my problem in making that comparison is that he's he's nowhere to be found in the film that you're looking at because he plays a single free safety and then yeah. comes shooting into the picture so i don't i really don't know how good his coverage skills are so whether that translates to a nickel but yeah i mean i think everything you guys are we we're not we're not sure where he's going to line up. I don't think free safety is the right spot for him. I no. think in the box safety is the right spot. You want him closer to the football because he wants to blow somebody up every play. But I do think that he's a he's a kid that is strict to his responsibilities because I think some of his opponents like try to run him out of the play with a with a a a, a deep route with a receiver. Because if he's anywhere around the football, he is going to <laughs> he is going to try to s- destroy somebody with the football, running back, receiver, whatever. So I mean, you kind of get the feeling of watching a film that opponents are kind of trying to run him off the ball a little bit. But you know, their whole team—I thought their whole defense looked looked physical. So I don't know where he ends up. I mean, ideally, I mean, ideally, I would say Rover, but I don't know that he's going to have the stature. And I'm really not positive about the coverage skills because you don't you don't see enough. I have not seen enough film of him in coverage. Most of it is just covered. I mean, flying to the football and just hammering somebody. All right, it's a long segment one. We'll be back. Segment two, burning up the boards. Segment two, burning up the boards. Our first question is from DL Cal 01. A few Notre Dame players seem to fall in the draft again this year. It feels like many highly rated ND players fall regularly in the draft. Is there a negative perception of Notre Dame players by the NFL? I think there, I think with some teams, there is a negative perception of some Notre Dame players because, and this has always been the case because they feel like Notre Dame educated players have other options and that football isn't, you know, as burn as much of a burning desire as is for, for uh, other schools. But I mean, I disagree with the premise. So the idea Foskey was a, a surprise second round at least based upon the temperature as we went into uh, the draft. I don't Kyle Hamilton was the 14th overall pick. I know there was talk about top five, but that's speculative. speculative. The year before, Eichenberg, second round, Banks, second round. Uh, Ousu Koromoa, that was more of a perceived medical situation. He was second round. Otherwise, he would have been first. Tommy Tremble, third round. Robert Hainsey, third round. Ian Book went in the fourth round. I was going to say, Ian Book, Ian Book. Yeah. Uh, you know, and then the year before that, Komet and Claypool in the second round, Aquara third. The year before that, Jerry Tillery in the first round, which was a major reach. I think this is a reaction to, I don't know what this is really a reaction to. Am I wrong in how I see no, these graphics? I don't think anyone other than Mayer falling seven spots maybe which i it's it, that that's, that's one a, event that's not a trend um uh if you're really into recruiting data the athletics sort of went through 10 years of class or 11 years of classes to figure out which schools were producing draft picks based on the percentage of like who's best at pr- taking a five-star and turning them into a draft pick who's best at taking a four-star and turning a draft pick three-star etc 
overall Notre Dame finished seventh in that exercise from the classes of 2009 to 2019. And they were behind, I think, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, LSU, Florida, Georgia. So, I mean, the teams that you would think, Florida being the exception there, um, they were top 10 in the country and taking four stars and turning them into NFL draft picks. And I think they were like 17th in terms of three stars and turning them into NFL draft picks. So I think, you know, Notre Dame people are valued as draft picks because they're good players and usually well-developed and well-rounded and fit in your locker room. So it may or may or falling a bit, I don't think is uh, reversing a, a pretty obvious trend over a decade. And I think we should also add to this when people say it's the best player in the country, it's the best line in the country, it's the best running backs room in the country. To Tim Priester's point, we do not know the country. <laughs> we, we, we don't. I mean, I, I, you know, and nobody Mayor, does. No one knows what Mayor the best running backs a, room in the country is. Mayor ran a four seven at the at the combine. I mean, that that's something that NFL teams are looking at. Okay, he's got to he's got to get separation. He's not. He's not the wide receiver like Dalton Kincaid. And so that's a concern. And, you know, like, it's like the, the first round is the end all be all, but only because of the financial numbers and, and because it's set at a, like, if you're the, what's the difference between the top 32 players and top 35 players, there isn't one other than we make a distinction right. by right. cutting off the round at a certain point. So, you know, and uh, Pete, you mentioned three stars. Ade Ogundeji was a fifth round draft pick, pick a couple years ago. I mean, that's a guy that he didn't project to the NFL in 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 any way coming out of high school. Tremble was a three star. Tremble, yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, didn't, didn't mean to rip on you there, DL call 01, but I, I just don't. I, I think you're no, really I, I get the question right. In our world, Michael Mayer is the best tight end we have seen play at Notre Dame since Tyler Eifert, and that goes back to Ken McAfee or Mark Bavar or Dave Casper. So. It's just there's a couple other good tight ends. Somebody chose another one. Right. Michael Mayer's floor is much higher than any other tight ends in the draft. Maybe his ceiling isn't as high, but I think his ceiling is starting tight end for a Super Bowl team. That's a good yeah. ceiling. And I don't, I mean, I, I don't know that Mayer is a, like I've heard people say, well, he's a great blocker. He's, I don't think he's not a great blocker. He's a big. His floor is higher than other tight ends. Oh, no, I totally, I totally no agree. Tremble was a great blocker. Yes. Trumbo was a great blocker. Yeah. I wouldn't say Mayer's a great blocker. I, he's a willing blocker, but I think that's part of his game that he still needs to work on. Look, Michael Mayer is going to be just fine. He's got a great landing spot and he'll be just fine. Question from Cam95 With Logan Diggs gone, does Norde move Chris Tyree back to running back? It helps clear the path for Jaden Greathouse, who is clearly the better player for the position anyway. I know they will not have, they should not have a conversation with moving Chris Tyree back to running back because they are looking out for Chris Tyree's future when they had a conversation moving him to slot. So this would sound a little less attractive, I think. But clearly, as you approach the season, Marcus Freeman and McCullough and Stucky get together and they say to Tyree, hey, we're going to make sure you get, you know, keep those backfield reps in case three more running backs get hurt. You don't need to move him back, though. You just have to have him available and he's going to, he can run. One more jet sweep per game, two more yeah. interior handoffs per game. Not like there's a learning. Lines. It's not like there's a right. massive learning curve for him to return to the backfield in the second quarter of a game. Yeah, get him. So if you if you feel the need to get him some reps, 
in practice and go ahead and do that. Pete, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Yeah, you. I would I would not touch him at all um, until late August when you get an eval on Jadarian Price. Yeah, did Jabron Payne hold up? Who I I I apologize to Payne. I that's the guy I keep forgetting. They have you won't um, anymore, and, and I won't moving forward. Uh, and then you know, does Jeremiah Love flash enough for you in camp where you're like, okay, in we could put him in the game if we had to. It's if if Payne and Price are are good to go, then you don't move Tyree at all. If, what was you guys? If, Tim, what was your impression of Payne in the blue goal game? Both. I, 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 I like the way Payne runs. It's it's tough to uh, look at a blue goal game running back situation with different linemen moving around and going against redshirt freshmen and freshman linebackers. But I I like Jabron Payne. He's better than I gave him credit for. He's definitely quicker than I thought he was. I did not think he just putting in perspective, uh, he is a return man candidate. I never thought Jabron Payne could be a punt return candidate. So obviously they think he's quicker than I did. Um, Cause it's not like ball security is the number one thing. He's just a backup running back. You don't put him back there usually. But I, the one thing I disagree with what Pete said is without digs, I now think you bring in love and say, let's get Jeremiah love ready to know our offense and be in there five snaps a game, because maybe one of those five snaps turns into what Chris Tyree used to do as a freshman, which is hit a crease and go 65 yards. No, I think that's a really good point. And Pete, I know that you love, you know, the measurables with, with Jeremiah love and everything that goes with his athleticism and stuff. So, I mean, maybe you can, you can turn a negative into a positive just by accelerating his process. I thought as it relates to Jabron Payne, I thought, his 30 yard run was impressive because the hole was not there. And then he found it. Now the yeah. hole ended up opening pretty wide Spindler ceiling off the inside. And who was it? Who was, I'm trying to remember who was with that line. Well, Corral did a great, Corral did a great job with Spindler yeah. on that one. No, I mean, yeah. who was the, ta- who was the, right the tackle? Guy? It was, um, it was not Fisher. No, it wasn't. Okay. So it was Wagner. It was Wagner. Wagner got his block. You're right. Yeah. It was Wagner. So anyway, that, that, I mean, I thought that was an impressive run. He found it. You're right. Because of the mixing and matching of the offensive lines, it's hard to judge them on each one of the carries because a lot of times there's just no, no room to run there, but it's a good question. And, and something that, I mean, I'm sure, you know, the offensive staff at minimum thought for a second about, okay, what are we going to do with Chris Tyree? But Pete, I, I mean, I tend to agree with you. And you got to be, I think you got to be a little bit fair here to Chris Tyree after you, you know, asked yeah. him to the transition and he willingly did it. As far as we know, I, I mean, Chris Tyree is another one of those guys that isn't going to rock the boat within the organization. He's the yeah, fallback. Say, He's a great fallback plan instead of going to get a running back that won't play for you. Yeah. I, and it's like portal. Jabron Payne. I would say like when he showed up here, I thought, that guy was going to Indiana and he looks like Lawrence keys to me. Cause he wore number 13. I don't think about that at all anymore. Coming out of the spring game. I think about like, that's a guy that can help your program. Um, I don't think about like, Oh, he was going to IU or he, I, I don't know if he's put on a ton of weight, but he looks more filled out to me than he did when he showed up as a freshman. Mm. He and was injured key, too. When we first saw him, he, yeah, um, right. he talked about it. And the, and the key with all this is Jadarian Price, who they love. Dylan McCullough loves. He continues to gush about him, but he is coming off an Achilles. Uh, you don't hear a lot about Achilles injuries, and I think there's the perception that 
well, it's it 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 takes a long time to cut to recover from a, a an Achilles injury. But if he's right uh, and is the same guy that he was before, which certainly can happen in 2023, it's not it's not 1982, um, which yeah. by the way was uh, Sam Hartman's first blue goal game. 1980. Yes, I heard that. I did hear that joke. <laughs> I, I made a joke uh, about his joke in the, yes. in the film review. Yes, uh, but anyway, that is uh, that situation. We'll see what happens. But um, Tyree's a receiver now, so we'll see what happens. Double question from our wild scout, which is: Are you expecting any other players to transfer out this summer? And from Maltese Irish, any portal targeting slash communication that you can share? So, who's still going to go out, and who's going to come in? Well, well the answer. I mean, I was going to say worth setting the structure for the answer the portal closed the portal is closed as we record this okay so yes. you can't go unless you're a graduate you cannot go in at this point so my answer is still yes someone will transfer out or not be on the roster at the uh beginning of august or middle of august or end of august oh no way o'malley what do you know about <laughs> oh boy when you say it o'malley it's gospel to me this this transfer thing just just Go with logic, guys. Yeah, no. Somebody always leaves. It's fine. The real key is no longer, now that they're down to whatever, 82 players. Yeah. I keep, yeah, and I keep seeing that they're actually, they're, the posts are correct, saying that Luke Talich and Ben Krim and all these guys are going to go on scholarship, but that was not the point of having a good preferred walk-on program, is putting those guys on scholarship. You need to bring in some more players, and it's time for them to shore up positions. Safety's number one. We will get into that. You could argue any other position. Yes or no? You cannot argue safety. I can say, because the quarterback, the needle, as we say, threading the needle at quarterback. Who wants to come for a year to sit under Hartman? Two years. I like that idea. I like the graduate transfer for two years if you think he'll be a player that you could start for you next year while you're grooming Carr and the leftover of Minchie and Angeli. But I don't know if I bring in a, I mean, I guess you still bring in a reserve quarterback if you don't like what you have in Angeli and Minchie to try to win nine games after week two. Eight games after week two. Yeah, I would. It's like if safety for sure. I don't know who it would be. Um, quarterback, I would. Um, I don't know. You, you can see how it's, it's tough, though. Yeah, it's like. I'm, I threw out the name Ben Bryant. I don't know what he's looking for in his next spot, but he's from Cincinnati. He played at Cincinnati under Gadouli. He was a starter there last year, but they brought in Emory Jones from Florida. So he jumped in the portal. I would think he'd probably want to go play somewhere, but he's not really necessarily like an NFL. He's not an NFL prospect. So do you want to just go have a Notre Dame experience? I have no idea about that, but that that's who you would need to get. I don't know how many guys, you know, just want to have a Notre Dame experience and not be in a position to, to. Con- I'm trying to think of like Gardner Minshew, I think was going to go do that. And I cannot remember the school. And at the last second, Washington state was like, no, 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 we have a starting job open. Uh, he went there and that was obviously the right decision. Um, uh, it's we- pretty rare that you would, tra- again, pretty rare to transfer, not to play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we, I'm going to, Jump back into another question here, Tim, because we do have some transfer type questions from that guy. Tim, help us make sense of the coaching staff admitting depth is an issue at safety and stating they want to address the problem in the portal, but not being open 
to a one-year player to address the problem. That first of all, let me interrupt myself. Uh, that's a that's a let me interrupt the question. That's a question. Uh, the one-year player Tom Loy has said to Notre Dame wants a guy. I think most people know this. Wants a guy with at least two years of eligibility. Picking up with a question from there. I understand preferring a two-year guy, but hamstringing yourself by ruling out a one-year guy seems unwise. Tom Loy said it. I'm sure it's correct. I don't know that it's absolute gospel if they found a one-year guy uh, that would fit the bill for them. I believe it is probably 100% correct because they have looked over the safeties and they chose they don't like the one-year guys. It's not like there's not a safety of one year that could help them and they're precluding that option. I think they're deciding we don't want these guys, so we will look for two-year options. Um, That is tough for your depth. You have to have a lot of faith in shoulder surgeries to Thomas Harper and Adon Schuler. I mean, Minnick's thumb's going to be fine by then. You, and they, they do like Minnick from what they saw. And you must have faith that the Barnes cross training can stick and that he can stay on the team. And I, I mean, everybody in the world says Lewis, but we've just not seen them do much of that, of Clarence Lewis going to safety. So I'm going to stop saying it until a coach tells me. We asked the coaches and they said he's not cr- cross-trained. So that means he's not cross-training. I don't, I don't want Lewis to move to safety because I think you're moving him from an integral role to a supplementary role as he learns a new position. I don't, then you're not going to maximize him. That That's my whole point. You, yeah, you cannot. Yeah, All right. Yeah. So I think, okay, if they are, if they are happy with the group, it's because they see Watts about ready to explode. It's because they know that DJ Brown's a veteran. It's because Ramon Henderson, who has now been playing safety for two, well, going into his third year, two, I guess you can't say four years. Anyway, he's been at safety for three different segments of Notre Dame football. Maybe he's taken a step. Maybe they see something in Harper as a safety, not just a nickel. We don't know that for sure. You have two freshmen, Schuler and and Minnick. Maybe they're maybe they will move uh Barnes to safety. That gives you seven. We can we can argue this back and forth, and I don't disagree with you, Tim but I think you can make an argument with some of the things that I just said that maybe this, maybe the position I'm trying to look at, like the coaches look at it. And if they say, you know what, we feel we're okay with it. I'm trying to come up with the reasons why they feel that way. That's why I'm trying to build a scenario here. But no, I mean, you guys are not arguing that if the Sam Hartman of safeties was available, uh, no, it was like, yes, Please. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's why I yeah. said the one year thing is because of the safeties that are there. Yeah. It's the it's like receiver last year. Did they need a receiver in the portal? Yes. They didn't get one. But I think mostly it's because they didn't find anyone that they really liked. Yeah, warm body doesn't it doesn't do you any good other than reps in practice. You know, I gotta I don't know. When I have two shoulder injuries and two freshmen, I know those are three different people. <laughs> Three of my players are two shoulder injuries and two freshmen. And I'm that's all I have as my in my reserve. It's not like they have Watts, Hamilton, and Gilman. They have Watts, Brown, and Henderson. Yeah. Couldn't a decent player help you? Uh, yeah, again. You have three I, open I, scholarships. I, I, right now you have three to four open scholarships. Thomas Harper is your starting nickel. You want Thomas Harper to have to rotate and play safety all the time too, while he learns nickel for the first time. I don't. I don't understand why a warm body doesn't help you. 
maybe Lewis is maybe maybe they'll play Lewis at yeah dime two. safety something along those lines where they're looking at the package and Clarence Lewis he, maybe he's not moving to safety ever but he's the dime safety because it's a totally different package and that's the type of defense they want to run that that's right, possible so too we're gonna we're gonna stay on this theme question from Greg Bell what positions will Notre Dame look at in the portal in my opinion Notre Dame should pursue a safety and a running back for sure and look at offensive guard or even a one-year quarterback who would be happy to get a master's degree while backing up Sam Hartman. For quarterback, I'll just ask you guys this question. If you're the Notre Dame coaches, you too, you know Angeli and Minchie right now, and you say, can we beat, can we win at NC State using Angeli and Minchie in week three? If they say yes, don't get a quarterback. If they go, ooh, that's tough. Well, guess what? That's about your fifth, sixth hardest game. So you better go get a quarterback that can get you through if Sam Hartman gets hurt in game one or two or game three. What if he gets hurt in game three at NC state? Like I think you probably need a quarterback, but I, I agree. It's so hard to find a quarterback, Pete. That's the issue. Yeah. I don't think they're going to be able to get one because it's like the guy that you get is not going to be that different from Steve Angeli or Kenny Minchie. In fact, he's probably going to be athletically worse inferior to those yeah. guys. It's like, you're looking for, an Ivy league player who can take snaps. Like if they, and if they had concerns about Minchie and a jelly to that point, which I, they don't, then yeah, you would, you would have to go get that player, but uh, this is forever. And will always be true. If you're starting a quarterback, it's hurt. You're screwed. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But you weren't, you weren't a bench. week ago. You you weren't a week ago. Uh, I mean, you would not be in great position, um, but like, Deshaun Kaiser is the exception to the exception to the exception of this rule. Um, every other time this happens, you're in big trouble. And I realize Notre Dame has played multiple quarterbacks and they've been all right, but they've, they have not had Sam Hartman as the starter. You know, it's like, if you have a, they're just, they haven't had a quarterback at this level of competence uh, and production. And there's, you're just not going to find, you're not going to find like, well, is there somebody out there that could sort of offset the loss of a, top 20 all-time NCAA production player? Like, no, it's just, the player doesn't exist. You're trying to win games. You're not replacing the player. You're trying to win games. Like, Drew Pine won eight of his 10 starts. It's insane that Drew Pine won eight of 10 starts. I know he lost. He, he kept games closer, but Drew Pine still kept the season afloat. We can make fun of all, everybody's rolling their eyes right now. We can make fun of everything that happened with Drew Pine, and he wasn't good. What if it was much worse, and they lost six games last year for Marcus Freeman? A coach cares if he loses six games or four or three or two or one. He should. Um, Tyler I Buckner just, would have helped you get through the season winning. You go 10 and two with Tyler Buckner. Yeah, I, I think that Angeli is probably good enough for Notre Dame to feel like, all right, we can figure out a way to beat NC State or Duke. Um, he's not beating Ohio State, Clemson or USC. Um, but I'm not sure Buckner would have either. Yeah, he could beat, and, and you, you throw out names of opponents, Wake Forest. You know, I, w- I would expect Wake Forest takes a step back this year with losing. Hopefully they're not better at quarterback or Notre Dame's in now, trouble. Now, I, I mean, we've talked about this in the past. I would, you know, an offensive guard, you know, if you get an offensive guard, great. It's just that you can't, you can't promise him a starting job. Right. Want, if there's a tight if a tight end jumped in the portal that was like high level, I would think Notre Dame would probably 
have a conversation about it. Yeah. But that, no. that moment has passed. All high-level players should be brought on because you need four. So all high-level players are fine. But it's the medium-range guys that you don't know if it... And I, and I do I want to throw this out here again. that Because we live in a college football world now where guys are so freely moving around, Nordame is not the only team in the country that's dealing with this. I can't sit here and tell you, oh, that school from the Pac-12, these two schools from the Pac-12, and these you know, three big 12 schools are dealing with it. I don't know, but it's not, Notre Dame's not going to be the outlier here. Everybody is going to continue to have depth problems at certain positions because guys like Logan Diggs, who rushed for 800 yards last year and was going to get 175 carries again this year, left. And it's, that's, Notre Dame's not the only place where that's happening. It can't be. It's illogical to think that Notre Dame's a lone wolf in this situation. Related question again. Play like a champ seven with the current situation at quarterback this year. Should Notre Dame feel a little better about Steve Angeli since he spent last year as the primary backup rather than on the scout team? Do you already foresee Notre Dame going after a transfer quarterback next winter spring? Certainly Angeli, you know, playing with the big boys last year. He has a mentally, he has a better understanding of what needs to be done. And he had reps that were, corrected throughout the season during practice because he was in a number two role. We are, we've talked right recently about a transfer quarterback next year. I'm fully on board for doing that. Yeah. Next, next year is next year. When, when now, and then we can talk about right. it. Right. But as, next it, year. as we see it right now, I mean, you know, Hartman could get hurt and Angeli could come in and win five straight games. And yeah. And even if Hartman gets hurt and Angeli goes, two and one and Hartman comes back then, and then, you know, what you have an Angeli and like, you don't need like, it. like the days, of, like the days of four scholarship quarterbacks. Those days are, I mean, for, for a lot of schools, those days are numbered. You better start with it though. At the end yeah. of signing day, sign four. True. So you can have three in your roster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Um, so, but we expect them to, and they're going, they're probably going to have to entertain the notion of a transfer quarterback again, which, you know, that's a, that's a trend now and it's not ideal. Hopefully as you look at this moving forward, the Minchie CJ Carr dynamic gets you beyond that, but. Except you're going to need to get a transfer quarterback right. for the one that transfers out when he loses. Right, exactly. That's why, yeah. yeah. One of those, is, one of those two quarterbacks will, will want to play and probably won't stick around. So I don't know. I don't know, but uh, that's the world we live in now. Question from Ken, the hobo. Wide receiver depth largely hinges on at least two freshmen emerging as consistent contributors. How much does this reality concern you, given the, quote, freshman wall so many first-year guys run into? I think it's a great question. And the only opposite thing is some guys, fresh, some freshmen can make it. <laughs> Jaden Greathouse is going to have to play. Uh, he looks too good not to. Said the same thing about Tobias Merriweather last year. You have to hope that the early enrollment of these guys gives them a leg up on Merriweather who I know people are going to say right now, well, he would have played without the concussion, but that was also November. Yeah. I, I would say that great house has all the markings of an exception. Um, Rico Flores and Braylon James don't. So if you're looking for two, then yeah, I think Notre Dame is, they're going to have a hard time getting to two exceptions, but I mean, just go through, the recent receivers Notre Dame has signed. There's always like a, yeah, but 
Tobias Merriweather, yeah, but he's you know very slightly built. Lorenzo Styles, yeah, but like is he a receiver or is he a corner? Jaden Thomas, yeah, but like is the body type right? Is you know, did he get in shape? Deion Coles, yeah, but the competition was terrible in Georgia. Braden Lindsay, yeah, but he's really more of a track guy. Um, you could do that with everybody until you get all the way back to like TJ Jones. Um, whereas like you played in a high level of high school football, you were very productive. You come from a football family and you're incredibly mature. Jane Greyhouse is one of the few that checks all of those boxes playing at Westlake, highly productive, very mature, physically put together. Um, that, that would be one come out of spring that if you're a Notre Dame, I don't think you'd be wishful to think this is an exception. The other, you know, whether it be James or, or Flores though, I think that, not every box is checked on on either of those guys. I, I would agree, and I, but I do want to argue for Flores from the standpoint that physically, I mean, he physically walked into Notre Dame as a high school senior this past second semester senior this past uh, spring football for Notre Dame and physically looks and plays the part. Now, he has a lot to learn. He seems like a guy that may can remember during a couple of the open practices that Flores is always asking questions and it's not necessarily total befuddlement. It's, it was more like, give me, you know, I'm just reading body language from a distance, but, you know, give me uh, the specific, now the specifics of, do I do it this way? I just think physically he's a guy that, that because of the way he arrived, you know, hopefully he is the exception to the rule along with great house and is physically prepared to do that, but they need them because, you know, you had the veteran good size, Caleb Smith from Virginia tech. He's gone. Um, here to, well, yeah, he had style. Certainly heretofore the former KK Smith can now become Caleb Smith. Um, you know, I'm not sure where he's going to be physically to contribute right away, but he's, he's a pretty impressive young, young player as well, but point taken. I mean, they've got to, you know, Merriweather has to step forward. Colsey has to step forward. Why do I get this feeling? <clears throat> and it's maybe because Hartman hooked up with Salerno in the blue gold game. But I just get this feeling like Hartman is going to find Salerno when he's on the field because that's not a guy that the opposition is focusing on. And Hartman being a veteran quarterback is going to see that go through his progressions and find Salerno 18, 22 times this year. Maybe I that's think a- that would be a lot, except just, but only because of this. I agree with you early. If you're going to run down the receivers, you don't have to have a one, two, three at every position, especially the way Stucky wants to do it. But right now, if they started the game against, let's say, NC State or Navy, I mean, Navy makes it weird because you don't need all those receivers, but your receivers, if you're starting a game against Ohio State, like you did last year, Salerno six and Flores is seven. So what you really want is the Deion Colsey effect for Flores. When they hit Halloween is Flores six because he's got so much better. And Salerno goes back to seven. It is somebody pressing seven. Like did Braylon James's 15 pounds suddenly become, Hey, we should probably get him in a little bit. Like that's what I think the growth needs to be through receiver core. The problem is I just made it. So nobody ever got hurt. Right. Right. And and just to be just to clarify to everybody listening, we I think we all like Braylon James, but the word has been that, you know, in terms of just overall knowledge and contributing as a freshman, 
he would probably be the least likely of the three, correct? I think he's he's probably as close to a Tobias Merriweather as yeah. the yeah. roster has, where it's just like, great. wow, super athletic, but just needs time. Like whenever you put on 15 pounds, like that's yeah. then it's like then you're taking it off again and you're putting it back on in the in a in a different way. It's that that usually for, for me portends like you're probably gonna need a year to sort of put it all together, yeah. which is fine. Um, yeah, he was the upside, he was the upside pick of the three anyway, not the polished guy coming in. Oh, right. yeah, no, no doubt. About you watch that. him run around in practice, you're like, geez, this is like Tobias Merriweather again. Yeah. All right. I mean well, that in a good way. We're gonna our, our last question is uh, a sad one. It's from Doc Irish, and the question is: Any depending news on that, your point of view? Yes, yes. Exactly. Well, since I'm saying it, since yeah. I'm asking the question, any news on if Tariq, Tariq Bracy signed with an NFL team? I haven't. Uh, I haven't seen any. I, I googled he's, him this morning, but he's he's considering his multitude of options. I think. Yeah, I, I think he's between. As I said before, the got a hundred of them. Does he want to join the Eagles, the 49ers, or the Kansas City Chiefs? Does he want to carve his own path in becoming the new starting nickel for one of those teams? Or does he just want to join a front-running Chiefs team? So he's trying to figure it out. I've got five crisp $20 bills ready to hand over to Samson because I foolishly, before I had any feedback from the NFL, I was so enamored with the play of Tariq Bracey late in in 2021, but especially in 2022, that I said he would – he drafted in the fifth round, and I can't even get him on a free agent contract. There were times last year where I think we could have an honest discussion. Is like, is he Notre Dame's best defensive player? He was in September for sure, okay. and Isaiah Foskey was on the team, yeah. and he had in the second round. I appreciate you saying that to make me yeah. look a little bit. <laughs> but he did not go in the fifth round, and uh, so I owe Sampson, and I gladly do it because it's a good, it's a good lesson learned. I wish right, he we- had a sixth year. Yeah, we do not plan like last week. We do not plan to have a a, a podcast on Thursday. But what player uh, on this team? What player on this program yeah. left can make us have a podcast? I wow, it'd have to be somebody pretty good. It would have to be somebody really, really don't, good. Don't do this, Tim. Like just just end the show. Okay, all right. So, <laughs> all things being equal, we'll be back next Monday, and that's May eighth. Until then, I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley and Pete Sampson, and you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider.